Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. This is Marcy. I will be hosting the conversation today. And with me, I have Kim and Katie. How are you ladies doing? Hey, hey. Hello, we're doing great. Thanks. So today's episode, we are going to be talking about COVID. And I know this can be a little bit of a sensitive topic because there was so much struggle around the past year and gosh, almost a half now that we've been into this, but we want to flip the script a little bit and talk about the lessons that were learned, how this situation made us better. Cause I think it's really easy to focus on the negative, everything that went wrong, how we were impacted, how lives changed. But, and, and when you're in that, that headspace, it can be hard to see anything positive that perhaps came out of it, but that's what we want to talk about today. How did this change us for the better? What have we learned? How have we had to pivot in our own lives and what the benefits from that have been? So Kim, let's start with you. So many things I could say. The biggest change for me, the biggest thing I learned Um, that I'm coming out of this period of time feeling really positive about is I knew I was overscheduled. I knew I was over busy, but so was everybody else in my life. And that was just how it was and too bad. Like that's how it is. Specifically, I had this need. And when I say I, I mean me and my whole family, we had this need for constant entertainment, Like going there and going here. There always had to be something to do. Um, we needed Friday night plans. Like I, we needed to know, like, what are we doing this weekend? What are we doing Friday night? What are we doing Saturday? It was rare that we just relaxed. And if we did, if we didn't have something planned, it felt like something was off. Like we had to fill that time. Like I, should I invite people over? Should we like make plans to go out? Like it was so boring if we were not going somewhere or having somebody over this forced period of staying home without inviting others over, without being able to go anywhere, there was nowhere to go. It made us all realize, well, with the exception of one of my, my my one middle kid is still holding tight to, I need places to go. The rest of us, what we realized is we like not having plans. We prefer long stretches of unscheduled time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean we're not doing anything. We're just not planning things like I don't plan every weekend now. I don't make sure like, would my kids have somewhere to go? Or do we need to schedule a friend to come? Or I don't do that. And I like it. I like that. I'm not always rushing. There's this pressure release of like, I actually have downtime and I love it. And I'm going to keep that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think so many of us, we wear busyness as a badge of honor. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. Who can be the busiest? Who can get the most? I got more done. Right. Mm-hmm. I've got 10 things to do today. Yeah. No I more agree. for me. Yeah, I mm-hmm. went from like having FOMO to getting JOMO. Have you guys heard of that? Wait, what's JOMO? <laughs> the joy of missing out. <laughs> the joy of missing out. Ah. Like, yeah. I, I, it is, it, that was a huge blank space in my world that I never knew I had. And it wasn't until I stopped, like you said, going from, 
I mean, like hustle culture, culture teaches us that like you go, go, go. And then you just literally take a vacation and just like live your best sloth life for a week. And then you dive right back into going and going and going. But like, what if there's something in between? And what if you can find some joy in having some quieter days and some quieter times, but still not being completely off the grid? And I think what that just sort of bridges from what you said, Kim, into what I've learned in that same capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Like there is this middle, like with most things, right. It doesn't have to be like I'm off on vacation or I'm going 90 miles an hour. Um, it's, it's yeah. so true. There's a lot. I li- and I like that new, that new uh, acronym. You just said JOMO. I've got it. Yeah. As, as an introvert, JOMO is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of times when I say yes, and this is something I'm working on. I think we all need to not just like in terms of boundary setting, but you know, saying yes, when you really want to say no and how you think that like one, you need to do that or else you're going to offend somebody else. You don't want to disappoint, let the other person down. And I had this, well, I'll say this one funny thing. There is a shirt that I saw at Nordstrom probably six years ago. That was just the epitome of my life. And it was like, sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come. Yeah. Yep. I have, by I the way, I'm leaving early on one of my shirts. It's my favorite. What is it? <laughs> it says BTW, by the way, I'm leaving early. Oh my gosh. I love that. You it's know, it's funny though, because oftentimes I have resentment for saying yes. Like, oh, why did I do this? I really don't want to go. I dread it. I don't want to get ready. But then once I'm there, I always have a good time. Like rarely do I show up to an event that I was not looking forward to having regretted actually gone. So I do have to think about that. But one of my first business mentors, Jill Coleman, she used to talk about this a lot. Um, Not so much when it comes to business, but it could be applied to that as well, but really with your relationships. And what she said was, if you are saying yes, when you really want to say no, thinking that you're doing it to benefit somebody else, or again, because you don't want to let them down, it's actually, it's a form of lying. And I don't want to go as far as saying like, oh, it's manipulative, but it really is doing the other person a disservice because rather than going because you ultimately want to be there, you're going because you feel bad. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really interesting reframe is like, if you're not, if you're showing up and you're not fully present and you're like, oh, I'm resentful of this person, then I think the overall experience for you and for them is not going to be as good. Well, and they're going to have certain expectations of you at this point, right? They're going to be like, oh, well, you know, Marcy likes doing this with me. She always comes when I do these things. And when really that's not at all what you want to do, like it's not real. It's it's not real. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's not fair to you or to the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sure. it's something to think about. Yeah. Uh, so I, I agree with that. You know, my life, my life really didn't change because I, I don't have kids like you guys do. So I wasn't overly scheduled. You know, I had my job, I was working at the gym, I was in a relationship, but we didn't do a whole lot. We were kind of homebodies. So I feel like my life really did not change all that much. And, you know, even during lockdown, I was still, you know, go out for walks with friends. So I, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I didn't really have this like huge letdown because my social life had just been impacted. And I think at first it was the, uh, coming to terms with the fact that I probably wasn't going to be able to travel a lot because I think six months before that, you know, speaking of Sam and Sarah, who we talked about in the previous episode, because they were our former hosts, 
we had gone to Europe for 10 days in September and I got bit hard by the travel bug. So I came home from that, like planning the next trip. Where in Europe can I go? And then, you know, a couple months later, it's like, oh, you're not going anywhere for a long time. And, and I will say that towards the end of the year, you know, when people were still traveling, obviously, and I chose to take a few trips, Kim, one of them with you, we went to um, New Hampshire, and then I went to Utah, I've gone a couple other places. So, you know, again, I, I just felt like my life wasn't overly impacted. And I kind of thrived and really enjoyed the slowdown. It felt good for me. Mm-hmm. I think uh, appreciation of travel is one that's going to just soar for everybody. Like, right. Uh, I am so excited to like, I'm starting to put stuff on the books for like all kinds of things right now because we were just not able to do it for so long. Um, or at least not at, with the level of freedom that we wanted to. And for many of us, there was just was no comfort in doing that. So I'm really psyched about trips I have coming up. And I think a lot of people are in the same way. Like we're leaving this with this positive idea of, wow, like travel, what a freedom. Yeah. Well, it's really meaningful to us. Yeah. It's interesting you said that, Kim, because, you know, previously you had mentioned that it was the realization that you were overly booked. You had, you know, kind of created too much in your schedule. So maybe it's also being more discerning around what is really important. What do I want to fill my schedule with? And what was I doing in the past that led to burnout that I really did not enjoy, but I was just doing it because. I thought that I should. Yeah. Big difference between like, let me schedule every minute from Friday at five till Sunday when I go to bed to like, Hey, let me put more trips on my book because it brings me so much joy. Mm-hmm. So I, have, I have a question. So obviously we quieted our schedules, right? Which freed up more time and, and sort of quieted the noise a little bit. And I don't know about you ladies, but when I quieted the noise, the voices in my head, I realized weren't always, I wasn't always as nice to myself as I was to other people. And I had to really reconcile that and find some ways to manage self-care because like, I couldn't, I don't know why, but I always thought, oh, I'll go get a manicure. I'll go get a pumpkin spice latte and I'll feel better. And I hate both of those things like, <laughs> on my self-care list. They shouldn't be. Um, like I had to completely retool what my go-tos were to take care of myself. And it took literally quieting the noise, shutting everything down and doing that work. And that's something that I'm really excited that I get to hang on to. I love that. So Katie, what did you discover? So the ones you just mentioned, those are really big ones for people like, right. Okay. We're going to do self-care. Like, I think the only one you left out was like, take a bubble bath. Right. Right. Um, It's never been on my list. I have a bathtub in my bathroom that no one's ever used except the dog. It's the same thing. I don't like bubble baths. I like, (laughs) I like the results of a manicure, but it's actually painful for me. Like the moment, like we just did it on Saturday because I really like nice looking nails. It's not relaxing for me. Like the fact that I am sitting there and like, I have to sit there for as long as I do and not be able to do anything else is pure torture for me. That's probably a good exercise in being able to like be in the moment, but okay. So what were some of your now, what are some of your new go-to self-care things if they're not those? Okay. So I've radically redefined self-care in this time, because as everybody knows, if you have kids home, you're, you're, it's not, you're not really alone all that much. So I had to sort of decide that self-care for me, was going to look like a lot of little things instead of like big time block things. So self-care for me meant things like throwing away all the silverware that I hated. If I always went for the same three forks, I was not gonna keep the crappy stuff I didn't want in my house anymore. I'm only buying the cushiest socks that I love the most because they feel good on my feet and I wanna put them on. 
um, my favorite coffee mug. Like we have 200 coffee mugs. We need three. So yeah. I cleared out the crap in my house that I didn't want. Those are just some of those things. And I also kind of started to feel like it's okay if I do something kind for someone else or I do something with the intent to, you know, share a treat with the neighbors or buy someone, you know, behind me at Starbucks a drink. It is totally okay to do that for entirely selfish reasons, only because mm -hmm. I feel like it makes me feel good. I don't have to do something for someone else to make myself feel good. That is not part of the equation. And so understanding that some of those really unorthodox actions actually built into my day did a whole lot to quiet the noise that mm -hmm. I had, the quiet, the voices telling me that like, you need to do this. You need to, you should be like making tomorrow better by being more active today. And when in reality, like I was missing the life that was in front of me and not enjoying the simple pleasures of like a freaking awesome cardigan that I just wanted to spend the day in and cuddle up in um, and not accepting that as something that I really needed. But in fact, that's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Katie, I remember that post that you wrote about self-care. It's probably one of my favorite posts that you've written to date. Like I resonated so hard with, I think I remember one of the things was you mentioned something about pens, like yes. throwing away all of your really shitty pens. And yes. it's so interesting you say that because I'm the same way. Like I love the G27 pen. Uh, the, I think it's a Bic. And those are the only pens that I want to use. Every other pen feels horrible and it frustrates me to have to write with them. And, and to your point about the silverware, I have one bowl. I have a couple of spoons. Like I have a, fra a favorite spoon which by the way, I have not been able to find. It got lost. Last time Wait, I found it. was in it, your found... pocket. Last time you oh, found a spoon in your pocket. I know. I found, I found my favorite spoon listeners in the robe of one of my, or in the pocket of my robe, which I never wear a robe. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know where the, where the spoon went, but I have a favorite bowl, I have a favorite spoon, a favorite mug, favorite pen. Yeah. And that's really all you need. So such an interesting way to shift what your thought of self-care is. But yes, that was one of the posts that I just loved so much. So thank you for sharing that. That idea of getting rid of clutter in your house, like that really resonates with me. That is a really great form of self-care for me. I, I don't think well in clutter. And the idea, like when you just said, like getting rid of all the silverware you don't like, I immediately thought of two forks in my drawer. I'm going to go check them right when we get done here. I don't even know where they came from. They're not my forks. And they're, they don't, they're just like, I don't like them. And they bug okay, me every time. This thing in your house. Like, why did, why did, why am I eating with this fork? I'm throwing them out, Katie. You've inspired me. No, I have like, I have a storage unit right now with all of this really nice, like cookware, dishes, silverware. It's like, do I really even need it? Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I do. So interesting. Thank you for that. Okay. So I'm going to talk about one of the things that was really wonderful for me during this time. And I mean, obviously I have an online fitness nutrition coaching business, which I had been doing as a side hustle for, oh, probably about five years. The first year I was not getting any clients from it. And then around year two, things kind of slowly started to pick up, but I was still a trainer at the gym and I had been training clients for, well, when quarantine hit and my gym shut down, I would say a total of 12 years, if you are not counting like the few clients that I trained back in college. But yeah, it was like my full-time job for 12 years and I, I hated it from day one. Like, yes, fitness is my passion. I like helping people, but being in a gym 
counting reps, just standing there was like pulling teeth and, you know, waking up at four 30 in the morning, sometimes training clients at four 45 and then having to go back at night and working on the weekends and on holidays. Like I was the definition of having no boundaries, being such a people pleaser, like a codependent. Oh, if you're okay, I'm okay. I will mold myself to what you need. Um, you know, take on any client who would walk through the door and I, yeah, I was miserable. So I started the online business with the intention of being fully online at some point. And I saw all these other people doing it, like, you know, putting up the post of them, leaving their gym or leaving their nine to five. And I really struggled to just take the leap to leave the nest and just say, all right, I'm, I'm so, uh, so over this, I've been so over this. And it's not, again, going back to the saying yes, when you really want to say no, like it wasn't fair to my clients because I was not showing up with energy and enthusiasm. I was literally just like going through the motions and checking the boxes and collecting the paycheck. I feel really bad about saying that, but it is the damn truth. So, um, yeah, was not able to just trust myself and jump all in with both feet So when the gym shut down overnight without warning, it's like, oh shit, I've got to make this work. And I did, it was scary. You know, I was like, is, am I going to be able to figure this out and continue to grow this business? And so far that has been the case. And it's just been, you know, like better and better from month to month, but it was certainly scary. So yeah, not saying that I had the wherewithal to do it, uh, on my own, I really needed that kind of nudge from the universe or the, the push from the universe, not even a nudge. It was a force out, but it was, it was the best thing that has ever happened to me. Marcy, do you think if, if shutdowns had not happened, do you think you'd still be in the gym? I I think I would still be in the gym. Yeah. Wow. How about that? Total. Cause yeah, total people pleaser. Yeah. You know, really, really struggling to say like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm not happy. Um, Has your gym routine changed oh. at all in all of this? Say that again. I, I was wondering if Kim's gym routine changed at all. Mine did not because I train at home. Mm-hmm. So, well, mm-hmm. that's not totally true. It changed in that now I wasn't the only one training at home. Now my son mm-hmm. and my daughter and my husband, like we were all using the gym before. It was just, it was just me. Like, no one else was down there. And so I was sharing a gym, um, if you follow me, you will have seen in my stories when the lockdown first started, my daughter actually had to make a schedule um, and post it on the gym door of like who was down there when I got most of the time. Cause like literally like I film videos for work down there. I'm like, I'm getting most of the slots. Everybody else pick your hours. So the rest of it's me time. Um, so that was different for me. And I will tell you, I did like I would go down and like, though we weren't doing the same training plan, like my son and I, and sometimes my son and my daughter and I, we would all be in the same space at the same time. And I liked that. And I do kind of miss that now that everybody's kind of doing different things. Um, I realized that like, I, as much as I thought I didn't like a gym environment, there's something to the idea of other people doing the same thing as you when you're not down there by yourself. I found that I wasn't wasting as much time down there. Mm-hmm. So in that way it changed, but otherwise, you know, just my home gym. I don't know about you ladies, but I changed the time that I used to be a 5 a.m. trainer. That was just what, and I think that came from years of, I had young kids and if I wanted to get a workout in, that's really sort of when I had to do it because late day when my husband got home, I was just tanked. So I had nothing left. So me, for me, I transitioned from like 5 a.m. fasted workouts five days a week to like slowly chipping away and, and transitioning, but realizing that like, 
okay, hit training, not for me. Um, fasted workouts, not for me. Um, steady state cardio on the treadmill just to get another half hour in before I had to go home and start my day, not for me. Like home gym, <laughs> middle of the morning is the life for me. And I can't see myself ever going back to a gym again. Were you in a gym before? So it was home gym that was new for you. Yes. We, my husband uh, for Mother's Day last year, like I was working out in our basement and I was filming videos too, but not like you, Kim, like mine looked a lot like a hostage situation and <laughs> we built like two pretty walls so I could at least film and not have it look quite so scary. And after a couple months of that, um, we realized gyms were not opening anytime soon in Wisconsin and Madison. And so we moved all of our hillbilly crap out of our detached garage gym and turned that or garage rather like my husband's lawnmower and stuff like that was in there and turned that into a home gym and that is the best investment we have made since we have been married 16 years wow no question. Mm -hmm. no yeah. I love working out with the family like you said kim it's so different and fun yeah Considering you're in Wisconsin, did you guys have to heat it or is it just really it cold? Is it is heated. It is heated. Okay. There's a heated garage. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So, so that's, that's definitely a big change. Yeah. So that's something that I will that I will not go back to. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I had never trained at home. I've always lifted in a gym and where I worked, it was not a corporate, you know, 24 hour fitness, lifetime fitness place like that. It was a studio boutique gym where the only way you could work out is if you were with a trainer um, or, you know, myself, because I worked there, I was able to utilize the gym um, for my own training. So I, the guy kept the gym open kind of like on the download, you know, so he put, I don't know, like paper over the wall or over the window. So people couldn't see that they were in there. I made the decision to at least for a couple of months, leave the gym just when the spike had hit, you know, things were really bad just for, you know, cautionary purposes. So I was using my parents' gym and oh Lord, I mean, just piecing together the most random equipment. Luckily my dad had an incline bench that also had a leg extension attached to it, which was really helpful. And then enough dumbbells to get me by, I think five 30 pound weights, this makeshift barbell that was maybe 10 pounds, but at least I could put plates on it and load it up, you know, decently. And then I had some bands. So that is when I had hired my now coach, Paul Carter, about two months before quarantine happened. And I was just loving the workouts. They were going really well. So then when I had to work out at home, he was writing my training programs, thankfully. So he was able to you know, create programs that still were able to like elicit an, a response, right? Um, and probably like even put on a little bit of muscle. So I did not hate those workouts whatsoever. I mean, of course I missed the machines. Like I'm a meathead at heart. So I love me a good cable pull down or, or something like that, a leg press. The I missed my back extension. But other than that, it went really well. And then I would say I did that for maybe four or five months. And then I made the decision to go back to the gym. But because the like, you know, not everybody could come in there, I was able to go in when it was empty. And I would go in there in the evening. So that is what kind of shifted my training time. I was one of those people who used to say, 
I cannot work out first thing in the morning and I cannot work out in the evening. Mm. So it's like, I have to work out at that, you know, at two o'clock after I've had two meals in me and it's been an hour and a half, you know, since my last one. Uh, so I was very structured in that regard. So it kind of pushed me to do something else and I have set stuck with that schedule. So now I work out around six or six 30 in the evening, which is not ideal, but I definitely adapted to it. And it just goes to show that you can adapt to anything. <laughs> so that fixed mindset of I have to have the ideal or perfect circumstance in order to get something done mm-hmm. is bullshit. So, so, you know, building on that, I will say I had a lot of clients, newer clients. I took on a ton of new clients as lockdown was happening and in the, in the months after, and it was a really great time for them to have a startling realization. And that was that they were quite sure that the reason that they were not eating well and exercising was due to a lack of time. Mm-hmm. And several months into lockdown, they were like, yeah, I, I guess that wasn't actually it <laughs> because now they're home and they have all this time and they were still struggling just as much, if not more. It was an important experience that the challenges were different, right? The grass isn't always greener at home is what they realized. Busy lives presented them challenges. So I had clients who were perpetually traveling and they're like, well, now that I'm not traveling for work, it's all going to be easy. Well, now they're new challenges. I'm working six feet from the refrigerator and the cupboards. And so it was eye-opening for them to see like, there's never going to be a perfect time. There's never going to be any set of circumstances that will be easy for me. And so it's about choosing to work with the situation you are in right now. And that was such a good experience for many of them to have because the best time is likely not coming. I love that. Be the architect of your own environment, even in the most challenging of scenarios. You can, you can own that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Anything else, ladies, that you guys took away from the experience? Well, uh, let's talk about things that we hope stick around from this experience. What do you think? Oh, man. Katie and I were Uh, chatting about this a little bit the other day. About the mask? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely a couple places that I don't see myself ever not wearing a mask, regardless of what the CDC tells me to do. If there's, if there's one thing I've learned is that finding my comfort level is hugely valuable. And so going places like doctor's offices, planes, um, you know, places where there is just an extraordinary amount of people from all over the land. I, I don't know that I'll feel comfortable not wearing a mask in those scenarios um, for a while. I mean, I remember when we would travel and we'd see people from other parts of the world wearing masks and we'd be like, why are they wearing masks? Like, right? fine. Like we can all handle a cold, right? Like it's going to be okay. But I mean, there, there might be something to that in some scenarios for me. I, I really, um, don't ever foresee me going into a doctor's office again, not wearing a mask. You guys like it just so, so stuck in my mind that like our, our doctor's offices always have like the sick waiting room and you go sit in this room with these other sick people and no one was ever wearing a mask. And now I really hope that telehealth continues. It's been amazing. Like to be able to call my, have my doctor, like come to my computer and see like, do we even need to come in for this next step? You know, the other day, my son has been sick. We got him a COVID test. He didn't have COVID. Um, They decided to do a strep test. You know how they did the strep test? He drove up to the door and the doctor came out or the nurse. I I didn't even have to go because he's 17. They came out and they did the strep test with him sitting in his car. How much better is that for everyone? Mm -hmm. Right? 
How much mm -hmm. better is that for everyone for him to not go in the building and sit in a room with all the other people and touch the things? Mm -hmm. It's incredible. So I really hope that that is something that sticks around. Yes, that is nice. And I know for me, I had to actually go into the doctor's office because I had to have some like testing with equipment done. So, you know, there are those situations where you can't just get around a quick test in the car, which I mean, that is wonderful. So, yeah. you know, reduce your exposure whenever possible. But yeah, in those situations, like I had to do it twice where I had to, I had a CT scan, I had another scan or like, you know, for our like yearly physicals, like gynecological or mammograms, things like that, where you do have to be, you know, in close proximity to the person who is running the test. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I think that we'll all feel more comfortable having the mask. Oh, I, I, I don't, I mean, when, when we don't have to have them to, you know, go into the grocery store, I am not wearing one at the gym. I'll be honest. Um, but again, I can kind of go when there are very few people there. So that is nice. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was hiking with a friend the other day and I would say 90% of the people that we walked by were wearing masks. And I was like, that, that's kind of where I draw the line. Like I'm not going to wear a mask if I'm just walking by someone on a hike. No. Yeah. And I will say around here, there, it just runs the gamut. When we go out and, you know, taking walks, sometimes there'll be big groups of people, no masks. Other times there'll be big groups of people, half people wearing masks. And it just, it's really running the gamut. I think that's good. I do foresee this causing a lot of tension continually, mm -hmm. right? I do see like there being people like on one side or the other. Should we, should we not? I think it's another great time for us to step back and remember like stay in your own stay in your own business, right? It's like, yeah. don't comment on other people's mask wearing versus yeah. not. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to practice that restraint. Well, there has been, there's been like literal mask shaving. And I'll be honest, when I was on that hike, I was bracing myself for someone making a comment who was wearing a mask when they walked by me and saw that I was not luckily no one did. And I wouldn't have, you know, reacted or anything like that. But yeah, I was definitely prepared that people were going to have some choice words for me. So because I've seen it happen. I mean, I have had people comment because I, if you watch my stories, you know, I walk on that trail every single day. And yes, I have had people walk past who are wearing masks, I have not been and they've, you know, said something under their breath. Um, I've seen like fights break out from it, like screaming matches, actually. Mm -hmm. So it's a heated topic for sure. You know, what's so hard though. I think in the end with all of this, despite what you feel like is the best decision for you, the truth is we are all more alike than we are different. Like mm -hmm. whether you are wearing a mask, you're not wearing a mask, you're probably doing it for your health, or you're probably doing it for a reason that aligns with something that's important to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, even if we have different ways of going about it, maybe we need to exercise and we can't exercise with a mask on and, and that's for the good of our health. Or maybe we need to protect a loved one at home. And even though we're perfectly healthy, we want to make sure that we're not carriers. Like whatever the action is, just like remembering that we all want the same thing. We all just mm -hmm. want to be healthy and live in this world and share the space. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. so good, Katie. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think that's a really good place to end on a nice positive note. So hopefully this gave the listeners some things to think about, just takeaways. So yes, it was definitely a struggle. Perhaps you are still in it, but really reflect on what are, what was the good that came out of this and how can I pivot moving that best serves me? All right, ladies. Thank you. Right, catch you all next time.
All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.